we thank you for putting together to begin with, Charlotte. <laughs> you had the inspiration uh, to do that project, so we thank you for that. And it's great when the church works all together, right? We can depend on one another. That's what it's all about. It's not about one person. It's not about a pastor or a deacon or any certain person, but it's about Jesus Christ and us working underneath his leadership to get things done for the kingdom of God. So Amen. great demonstration of that. So how's everyone doing today? Good, great. good. good. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're looking forward to the new year. Um, our sermon today is going to be from Psalm number 27. So I just came about this in my normal everyday kind of reading of the Bible. And I thought, that's really good. <laughs> that's really good. So that's kind of how this came about. And it has a little bit to do with the, with the upcoming year. Because we all are hearing stuff about what is this upcoming year going to be like? you know, compared to the last two years that we've had. And we ask ourselves, will 2022 be the same as 2020 and 2021? They certainly have been years of uncertainty. And uh, we have, I think in a sense, as a culture in the United States, lost some confidence in several key aspects of, uh, of our culture and things that, that in the past seem to have been the solid foundation. And for instance, our government, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying that I don't think there's, most people in here would uh, doubt the fact that we have lost some confidence in our government and its ability to work together, its ability to be able to get things done, and maybe even the direction that the government is going. We've lost some confidence, I think, in our health officials and I didn't say our health workers because I think our health workers uh, should be looked up to as, you know, doing very well during this time of COVID. But I think it's safe to say that most of us would not hold a lot of confidence in our health officials of what they say specifically about COVID and the pandemic. Um, I think we've lost some confidence in our economy. Uh, it's not performing the way it should. Uh, obviously, in several states, there's people who cannot go to work, restaurants who are not able to be open, mask mandates and things like that have caused us to lose some uh, confidence in our economy and our government officials. I think just plain old common sense needs a strong comeback, right? <laughs> but it seems as though we've lost some confidence in people to make decisions based upon not only the science, but just plain common sense, what has proven to be to work in certain situations. And then I put down one last thing is, I think we've lost confidence in Christian morality, not the fact that it is not good in any way, but just that our nation no longer looks to Christian morals as something that is fitting for us to follow. And if you kind of take all of those things, and I'm sure there's many, many other things as well, and combine them with those who fuel fear for the purpose of gaining profit and power, and you end up with the people who can really become paralyzed by a lack of confidence or by fear. And I don't think God wants that in 2022, do you? <laughs> Especially for Christian people who kind of know that God is in control of all situations and that he's working out his plan. I don't think that we should be paralyzed by that, but we can be if we're honest with ourselves we can, fear and lack of confidence 
can have an effect upon our behavior and it can make us become more reclusive to where we stay in our homes more. Um, and I'm not discounting that we should take proper precautions, uh, especially when we're out in public, but it can cause us to become reclusive, to stay at home, to become less outspoken for fear of reprisal against us. Uh, it can affect our behavior and in our experience and demonstration of less joy in our lives. Um, I had, I, I was really surprised by this, even though it was on Fox News, but um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the five. They're on from four to five during our time, but they were asking each other, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And they had a list of five Christmas movies. Not one of them had anything to do with Christ in the Bible. And I thought, you know, where are the people who are willing to stand up and say anything about Christ and Christianity during Christmas season, right? It's almost like we have two different holidays now. We have the secular Christmas and we have the Christ Christian Christmas. And it seems though the secular Christmas is rapidly taking over. But I think, that, I think that's sad. I think it's a sign where we've not spoken up. Um, sometimes we have a fear of sharing Christ with others. Uh, sometimes we have, it seems, a fear of committing to being baptized or joining a church. And we just have a fear sometimes of engaging in debate and just plain old standing up for ourselves. And so we should be wise in all of these things. But does God want us to live yet another year in fear? And I say no. <laughs> I say no. And I'm not including everyone in those who are susceptible to fear, but I think a large part of our nation are susceptible to fear and fear mongering. And so I think it's good that we look at scripture and say, for those of us who are in Christ, we have no reason to be in fear, except to fear the Lord, which is the one thing the world does not want to fear, right? So, scripture today is from Psalm 27. Let's go ahead and stand as we read Psalm 27 in honor of God's word, honor of him himself, and see what it has to say about fear and how we can be confident even in some uncertain times is really what we're talking about. Psalm 27, this is a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers evil assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp around me, against me, my heart shall not fear. Through war, though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry, be gracious to me 
and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have helped, O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I, breathe, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity to read this scripture to this group and for us to read it together and get a message from you today and understand that you do not want us to fear the coming year or to fear anyone, only to fear you. And that means to respect you and to be in awe of how great you are. And so we pray that you would give us understanding of these scriptures, that we pray that you would give us wisdom as to what they mean for us in our own personal lives and give us courage to live this out all for your glory. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're going to be talking about finding confidence in Christ from God's word to us in Psalm 27. Don't you love Psalm 27? Yes. I, yeah, I love, I love the Psalms in general. Uh, most of them, of course, are written by David. Not all of them, by the way, but most of them are written by David. This one happens to be written by David, who was the king of Israel. Before that, he was a shepherd boy. <coughs> And he had plenty of opportunity to be fearful, didn't he? Remember, he was the one who kept over the sheep for his father. And he said that he had met the lion and the lion's paw. And he had met the bear and the bear's paw. And he, because of his relationship with Christ and the, and the courage that he got from him, was able to stand against both the bear and the lion. And not only them, but he stood up against Goliath, didn't he? <laughs> He stood up against Goliath, even though he was still considered a young boy. And not only in his boyhood did he seem to be a person of courage, but also in his adulthood. In his adulthood, if you remember, uh, Saul was king. And for many months and years, David was constantly running away from Saul. Saul was so jealous, he believed that David wanted the throne. And so he was out to kill David and David spent many times and many times writing psalms just like this because he was running from someone who wanted to kill him. And it not only happened with Saul, but it happened with his son Absalom who wanted the throne and wanted to hunt down and, and get rid of his father. And so when he speaks about fear, he's speaking from personal experience. He knows what it is to fear and he knows what it is to be courageous in, in the light of fear. And so I think we can learn from him today. Don't you want peace from fear? <laughs> we, we all want that, right? We all want that. We want to know the peace of God, to know that he's in control of all things. And I believe this is God's desire for us today as well. He does not want us to live in, to live in fear. In fact, someone has said this, and I've never actually counted up the quotes in the New Testament, but someone has said that 
the commandment that Jesus gives most often in the New Testament is do not fear. Do not fear. You know, place your faith and your trust in me. Do not fear. In fact, in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. He's getting ready to leave his disciples. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then from the Old Testament, uh, a scripture which is you know, familiar to many of you, but it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just an amazing promise given to us by a God who never changes and is always there for us. We can count on his promises. Remember in Hebrews, it said about uh, Jesus that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not going to change. He is going to be true to his promise. And if he says we can place our faith and trust in him and be confident, then we can do that. You might, you might ask the question, which is the rest of the sermon, how can I overcome my fear and have confidence with Christ? And the first thing that I have down on your sheet, if you're taking notes, is that we need to profess or confess your faith in the Lord to yourself. That, that last part is really important. Confess it to yourself because that is exactly what David is doing in this psalm as he is writing down this psalm it's probably going to become a song and sung by other people but he's writing down as if you were writing down in the journal these things to himself he's confessing his faith in the lord and he's doing it to himself and so we need to do that as well we need to reaffirm these promises and this confidence to ourselves so that we can truly believe it well, what are some of the things that he writes down? First of all, he says that he is his light. The Lord God is your light. Amen? Yes. That's good news, right? He is our light. Jesus is my light and Jesus is your light. And you might ask, well, what does it mean that Jesus is my light? He says, I'm the light of the world. What does that mean? Well, light represents goodness, righteousness, it also uh, represents a clear understanding of who God is and the scriptures. The way I think about it, a light helps us to see clearly and seeing clearly puts things in the right perspective. Amen. And so when we say that Jesus is our light, having him puts things in the right perspective and especially with earthly things, between earthly things and heavenly things especially between temporary things and eternal things. We need to understand that perspective, right? Yes. To have confidence in the Lord. Because we all know, right? Bad things do happen to good people sometimes. But in God's perspective, he works all things out for good with those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Doesn't mean that you will never suffer any pain it just means that in Christ, from the right perspective, you understand that he is using those things, and the Bible says this explicitly, explicitly. He is using those things to mold you into the image of Christ, which is ultimately going to be for your good in heaven. 
So if we look at things from an earthly perspective, sometimes things can look pretty bleak. But if we look from the right perspective, by the light of the world, we understand that there is a heaven after this and a hell which goes on for eternity. So what we do is very important during this lifetime, but it is still just a very short time. With a heavenly perspective, we can understand things that we can't necessarily looking from an earthly perspective. I've said this many, many times. It's a quote by John Piper, but he says, make decisions based upon your happiness 1,000 years from now. And you stop and you think about that and you think, yeah, yeah. I don't just make decisions which are gonna make me happy 15 minutes from now. A lot of things you could do that would make you happy for 15 minutes, but that happiness would not last for a thousand years. But there are decisions also like coming to church. I believe a thousand years from now, we will be happy that we came to church on this day Amen. and we will remember it and we will take joy in that because the community, the fellowship, the sense of the Holy Spirit that we hear this morning, we will be glad about that a thousand years from now. So Jesus is the light. Recognize him as the light of the world. He comes into your life to help you see clearly what is going on in the world and why it's happening that way. Of course, that takes a little bit of study to do that. And I'm sure we'll do some of that when we study what it, uh, the revealing the mysteries of heaven because we'll get into some prophecy about end times. So he is the light of the world. He is also your salvation, both taken from verse one. Salvation actually means deliverance. So in the context, you have to take the context. It can mean salvation from, uh, from a punishment for our sins in hell, or in David's case, a lot of times his salvation is a temporal salvation from his enemies, from Saul, from Absalom, from Goliath. And so we have to understand those both, those both, both ways. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So. He's using the word deliver there, but he could have said saved me from the hand of the Philistine. But this makes it clear that he's referring to temporal events, earthly events. And in that way, God is our salvation. He is the one who will deliver us from those things. It also refers to, of course, eternal salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So he's speaking there specifically about eternal salvation. But he is our salvation. He is our savior regardless, right? If we're, our hearts and our minds are in Christ and we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, then he is our salvation in both of those things. Amen. He is also our strength or your stronghold. How many of you have ever been like at your last ounce of strength? 
and you still needed to go on. <laughs> yeah, maybe not many times. It could be physically, right? Dylan's probably done some training in the Air Force, I would imagine. Maybe, maybe he's been to the place, and of course Jake's been in the military and others. Jake, have you ever been to the place where you're physically you were, couldn't go anymore, didn't think you could go anymore? And then the drill instructor says, yes, you will go a little more. <laughs> but we can be that way spiritually as well, right? You know, we can be involved in ministry, and this happens a lot of times in ministry. You're involved in ministry, and you're doing something for others all the time, and you get no replenishment. Maybe you're not in the Word of God, and you're just trying to go about and doing good things for the people of the church, but you're not really taking care of yourself. You're not really drawing strength from the Lord. You're doing it in your own strength. Well, I've got good news for you today. You can always go to God and ask him to strengthen you for a certain task. And that's what it means that he is our strength and our stronghold. Because of that, David says, of whom shall I be afraid? What's the answer to that? If he is our light, if he is our salvation, if he is our strength, David asks the questions, of whom shall I be afraid? What's, what's the answer to that rhetorical question? No one, right? No one. No one or nothing. Jesus is our confidence. He, first of all, will cause our enemies to stumble. That is in our scripture that we read for today. And he will give us confidence when enemies attack, when we place our faith and trust in Christ. Now, we say that all the time about salvation, that we need to place our faith and trust in Christ. But it's just as much true in living the Christian life. We need to do that on a daily basis. That's why one book I read, it was on the discipline of, of grace. Jerry Bridges says, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Amen. We need to hear that message every day that we are new in Christ every day and that we have new renewed strength every day if we are trusting in Christ every day. And so we are to confess our faith in the Lord Jesus and confess that to ourselves. And then secondly, we are to seek the Lord and pray. Seek the Lord and pray. This is my favorite part of this song. Because David recognizes there's one thing. There's one thing that's gonna give me the strength. And he says it in verse four. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Folks, that describes the Christian life. It's not a life of works. It's not a life of just gathering in big groups and doing things together. It's about seeking the Lord's presence and being in his presence. And the thing of it is, is we don't have to wait to go to heaven to do that. We can do that right now. And if you are a Christian, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit within you right now. But how close are you to that Holy Spirit? How much have you surrendered your life? Have you, are you grieving the Holy Spirit 
in some way. And the psalmist, David, doesn't want to do that. He only knows one thing. He says, there's all these things going on around me. I should be afraid, but one thing I know is that I will seek after the Lord. And I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I think that's going to describe a lot about what heaven is like. That we will have the opportunity to see the Lord, to gaze upon his beauty, and that we will be able to inquire in his temple. Think about being with Jesus in heaven and him being able to answer all the questions that you have about what went on in this lifetime. And open up the scriptures as he did uh, to the people on the road to Emmaus and he told them all about his appearances in the Old Testament. And he will be able to do that to us and with us. And we will enjoy his fellowship forever and ever and ever. Never a time when we are not close to the Lord, when we are in heaven. This is David's heart's desire. And this is where his great confidence comes from. We talked about his opportunity to be fearful with the lion and with the Philistine and in battle. But David was also a courageous king who took his men into battle and successively won battle after battle after a battle. He showed great courage. But we need to learn to seek after God above all else. God's presence will protect you and keep you safe when you're facing trouble. And really, this will stir to what our ultimate goal is, which is to worship him. That's what our goal is, to worship him and to enjoy a relationship with him. And so, are you working to develop your personal relationship with Christ? Jake mentioned this in Sunday school, that it's a personal relationship. We say that all the time, right? But are we working to develop this? And how would you develop that? Well, you know, one way we develop relationship with each other is spending time together. You know, we have meals together, we study together, Wednesday night Bible study. And you do that the same way with God. You meet with him, you study together the scriptures together, you see how he is faithful to bring you through certain events and your faith and your trust in him should grow. And so, you know, the statement I'm gonna make here is that the key to confidence in uncertain times is a close relationship with God through Christ. Amen? Amen. That's how you make it through difficult times. Your closeness that you have with Christ. I remember in Hebrews, remember about drifting away? about drifting away. You don't, you don't want to encounter uncertain times when you've drifted away, right? It's only going to be trouble. So keep God close. Amen. Guard your quiet time as your most precious thing that you can do each and every day. So we seek the Lord, but then we also pray. We beg God to be merciful and to answer our prayers we tell him, uh, you're going to do exactly what he says to do, which in verse seven and eight, it says to seek his face. This is all tied in together with 
us seeking the Lord, but we are to seek his face. You might think, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, when you see someone face to face, it's a very intimate encounter, right? That's exactly what it means to seek the Lord's face or to see him face to face. Do we see him face to face now? No, we don't see him face to face, but we've seen clearly in the scripture. That's, that's where he reveals himself to us now in scripture, but one day we will see him face to face and we will know him and he will know us fully. And so we are to seek his face. And that, to me, that means for us as Christians to be in his word, seeking what he is like and doing in this world the things that he would do. We do not want to drift away. And so uh, his face would be hidden from us. Rather, he is our helper and he is our savior. Thirdly, in this little section, we are to acknowledge God's faithfulness. He will never leave you nor forsake you, even when parents do, right? (laughs) So what it says here, it says, for my father and mother have forsaken me They had forsaken David, but the Lord will take me in. It's a relationship that once you enter into it, you will never be sorry for that, and he will never leave you, forsake you. It's almost hard to believe, right? I mean, we've heard it enough in our church because we're a Baptist church, and this is one of our key doctrines. But sometimes you get up in the morning and maybe things don't go right. You miss your quiet time. And you just have a terrible day and you say, God, where are you? What's happened? Because your day has gone bad and maybe because you have not accomplished everything you thought you should, now you feel like God is far away. You see how easy it is to slip back into a works mentality where we're saved by works? But no, even on the worst day, even when you don't have your quiet time, he will never leave you nor forsake you doesn't mean you don't have some sins to confess and repent of, but he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we ask God for guidance. We ask him how to live this life. That's from verse number 11. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. I like the idea Other versions may say it a little bit different, but I like the idea of a level path. One version says something about an easy path. And I I don't like that as well. I think level path is what we're looking for because some Christian's path is like this, (laughs) right? Sometimes their path in life is like this. They have a, a great big high because they go to a conference or something like that. And then they come back home to reality and down they go until the next conference and then they go back up. And we used to experience this quite a bit in youth ministry because we went to a lot of conferences and they were all excellent and great. But you can do things in a conference that you can't do every day. And so you can have worship every night with a band and, and everything that uh, teenagers kind of like. And you can feed them pizza every night, but it's not the real world. I think here what he's saying, because the people of uh, Israel were prone to this as well, I believe. 
because there was festival after festival, right? Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, and they would have these festivals and they would be on a spiritual high and then they would dive back down and pretty soon they'd be compromising their faith until the next festival. And Jesus comes along and Paul comes along in the New Testament and says, there's no longer any special days. You know, every day is special with Christ. And so we're aiming for a level road where we consistently stay in touch with God. And finally, we ask God for victories over our enemies. We ask God for victories over our enemies. And we pray for our enemies as well, don't we? We pray that they might come to know Christ as well. And finally, we wait patiently for the Lord to meet your needs. We are very impatient people. (laughs) We are extremely impatient people. We've talked over and over again about how we want things at a moment's notice. If we want to know something, we don't go to the encyclopedia. We don't have to wait to go to the library. We pick out our phones. We Google it. We have an answer pretty soon. But sometimes with the Lord, we need to be patient as he meets our needs. And so prayer is important, right? But prayer is often misunderstood. Prayer is often referred to or believed to be a wish list that God should meet right now. And it's not about that. Prayer is more about us conforming to God's will. And so when we pray, we should pray, heal this person if it be your will. We should pray, if this job is for me, if it's by your will, let me know, otherwise give me patience to wait. So be strong and courageous while waiting. And as you wait, seek his face. (laughs) Seek his face. That's when he's gonna tell you his will for your life, is when you're in that quiet time and he reveals something to you from his word. So kind of wrapping things up here today, we are to confess your faith in the Lord to yourself, reaffirm in your own life that God is trustworthy and he is. We're to seek and to pray to God. We're to seek his face, to seek him, to know him in an intimate way, to experience fellowship with him. And we are to wait patiently for the Lord to meet our needs. Amen. Amen. I'll go back to Isaiah 43 or 41 verse 10 in closing fear not for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you I will help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand God is with us Freedom Church God is with us and we can go into this world and not be afraid and go into this year and not superstitiously believe that it's going to be bad but trust God that is going to be a good one for Freedom Baptist Church and for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the message that you've given us today. And uh, we thank you that most of all, in the great scheme of things, you have desired to have a relationship with us. 
And that's been prevented because of our sin and our rebellion and our unbelief against you. But you've provided a way for us through Jesus Christ. By him living a perfect life without sin, dying on a cross as a representative for our sin and being raised from the dead, you have demonstrated that you can save people and you can help us to be a people without fear, fearing only the Lord, but not fearing man or fearing circumstances or fearing the future. When we place our faith and trust in you, that blessed Holy Spirit comes into our life and gives us a new heart and gives us the courage to do the things that you have asked us to do. We pray for more of that. We know that we're susceptible to falling back into our own ways, but we pray that you would help us to face this year without fear, that it would not paralyze us, but it would spur us on even more to do your will. Help us to be your people. And I pray for anyone here today who does not know Christ, that they would this day place their faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, that their relationship with you might be mended and restored. That would be the greatest blessing today. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.